Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. evening about uh, some things that really touch the, the, t- the very nerve of the hour in which we live. The Bible says in Matthew 8 and chapter 8 and verse number 5, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. If we just ended here in verse number eight, we could talk about a tremendous story of a man that had tremendous faith, great faith, that all the Lord would have to do is just speak the word and that indeed his servant could be healed. But if we continue reading, we will unearth one of the most valuable lessons that any of us could ever embrace. Because here, what we are about to open up in this story is the very vehicle through which this man could exercise this kind of unfeigned faith. He says in verse 9, For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them who followed, follow this story, if you will, that Jesus does not make these comments to the man he's in conversation with, but he turns and directs these comments to those that are following him. And he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus turns his attention now and comments back to the centurion. Jesus saith unto him, unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. So his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. And so tonight for just a moment, I want to talk about the beauty of submission. And uh, submission is, submission is a, a, a word today that sort of sends chills across the backbone of much of our society. Submission to authority is not something that in all honesty is well understood in our culture. We are seeing played out before us today 
not anything that would top things in our history, but we are seeing played out in the streets of America things that, uh, that remind us that there is a tremendous streak of rebellion in this country. That rebellion is not just bound up in the hearts of youth, it's not just bound up in the hearts of young men and young women, but across our nation we are seeing the ill effects of people that do not have any, uh, any respect or appreciation for authority. We're seeing an upheaval against all authority, whether that's in the classroom or the courtroom, uh, we, in all points in between, we are seeing this upheaval in almost an unprecedented fashion. And so to, to put it mildly, we are certainly living in a day of unrest. In our culture, we have created a mentality that, uh, that has trouble understanding the value of authority. Um, we have, I, I was talking to someone just a few weeks ago and, and, uh, they were talking about some department, some agency, uh, some police agency that set up somewhere on I-75. Pardon me for not having all the details of that, but they, they set up somewhere out on Interstate 75, and they agreed before they ever went out that they would not ticket anyone that was traveling less than 95 miles an hour. And they, they said we spent all day riding tickets, all day riding tickets. And I would just, I'm adding this next part. As Paul said, this, this is not the, the, the Lord speaking, but this is Paul speaking. So this next part is me. But I would just imagine some of those that they pulled over at 95 miles an hour got out and slammed the door and wondered, why are you messing with me? That just seems to be the culture that we live in, the mindset. There's not, uh, there, there's, there's not a, a mentality that understands the value of authority in our life. We live in a democratic society and that's a wonderful thing, but if we're not careful, those very things that give us freedom can bring bondage to us spiritually. We live, in, we live in an hour that if we do not like our government leaders, we just have the right to exercise our freedom to vote them out. We live in a free market and so if we don't like the job that we work or we don't like the person that's in charge of us, our supervisor, we can, we can just move on. We can move on because that's the world that we live in. If our teacher doesn't treat us right for all intent and purposes, we can just transfer to another school. And that list could go on and on and on. We can just replace those things in our lives that we don't like or, or seem to be uncomfortable. And I, I realize the broad brush I'm painting with, but you, you get the point that I'm trying to make. And so with that kind of mindset, it's no wonder then that we struggle with authority in our life because who would you be to tell me? And so we have taken authority out of classrooms. We have taken authority little by little out of everything and we are raising a generation that has no idea to understand the value of authority in your life. But the key to having authority in our life, the key to having even an appreciation for authority is to have the ability to submit ourselves to authority. And so our text today gives an amazing story and incredible insight into how a man could exercise this kind of faith. He didn't just say, I am a man that says to a servant, go and they go or come and they come or do this and they do that. But he began by saying, I am a man under authority. I'm not just a man with authority, but I am a man under authority. And so I understand how this works. 
I may repeat myself a little bit in some of these key points, but when Jesus offered to go to his house, it wasn't as though he was afraid for the Lord to go and find his house unkept. That wasn't it at all. He wasn't afraid that I haven't warned my wife and so I can't just bring in guests unannounced. That wasn't the point. His point was this, is I get authority. I understand authority. That you don't have to be in my house for my servant to be healed because you can speak the word and it will be done. A presidential pardon does not require the president to sit down face to face necessarily or a governmental pardon does not require uh, sometimes those to just sit down or uh, and, and be face to face one on one but their mere signature would be enough because they have the authority to do that. And so it's a story of a man who understood the value of not just having authority but having authority in his life. And so when uh, Jesus offered to come, he said, that's not necessary. Just speak the word and th at thy word it will be done because he understood authority. He said, I'm not worthy really to, ha to have you in my house. The centurion, without a doubt, saw this man, Jesus, as the ultimate authority. And so he said, just speak the word. Just speak the word. Because he knew that if Jesus would just give the command, that command, that word would be sufficient. Jesus is so impressed, pardon my language here tonight, but he was just so impressed with this centurion's understanding and revelation of authority that he turned his attention and his remarks to those that were following him. And he said, I have not seen this kind of faith. No, not in all of Israel, this kind of faith. Faith, what an unusual word to insert there, but he was a man that understood how the kingdom of God worked. It was a principle here that he understood. Here was a man who had learned how to be a follower. That's why he was deemed qualified to be a leader. I would say tonight that no man or no woman is qualified to lead that has not first proven themselves as a follower. Amen. I, I, he humbly submitted himself to the authority uh, that if Jesus would just say it, if you'll just speak the word. And so if we want authority in our own personal lives, then we have to come under authority ourselves. We can't just live to the wind and do whatever we want to do and, uh, and just pardon this straightforward illustration, but the devil knows whether or not we're submitted. And so we can't just do any old thing we want to do and then all of a sudden just... Uh, some, try to uh, try to take some authority over him when he knows in ourselves that we don't have any authority in our lives. So we rob ourselves of that. So coming under authority gives us the power to do a lot of things. And I'm not talking about power as in power trips or massaging someone's uh, ego, but I'm talking about authority over bad habits, authority over evil forces that come against us by submitting ourselves to the ultimate authority. I, I, I desire with all my heart, I don't say this in a blanket statement, but I truly desire to be that person. I want to have authority in my life, but I realize that I need to have authority in my life. I've got to have that accountability. I was, as I often do, perhaps on a Saturday night, sometimes on a Sunday morning, I may send a, a text message or so to a couple of pastor friends and just wish them well, hope you have a great weekend and and uh, I, I sent one such text just a couple of Sunday mornings ago to a, 
a friend of mine, a, certainly a mentor of mine, and, and I said, I just, just thinking about you today, I trust you that you have a good service. And uh, I, I could see that he was responding to my text message, and generally it's just, it's just a text message that would sort of equal that. You too, God bless you, hope you have a great day. But I noticed that it was taking a while. It was t- taking a while. I couldn't imagine what uh, was going on on the other end. And in just a few minutes, I got a rather long reply. And he began to bear his soul to me about some things that he wanted to be in God and some things that he wanted to get, uh, he, wanted to, he wanted to make more room in his life for more of God, essentially was what he was saying. And he said, I want you to help hold me accountable to this. And let's take one another to the next level. And amen, that's having some, somebody in your life that says, hey, I, I need some help. I realize there's some room in my life for improvement. We're not talking about trying to get victory over some sin. Don't let your mind go down a wrong alley. But he said, I just realize I've got to move some of me out of the way so that I can get more of God in my life. And so would you serve as that person that helps me reach the next level? And he said, let's take one another to that level. What do you say? And so in the, in the last several services from that time to now, it is how are you doing with this? And how are we working on this? Because we don't want to just send something out there and, and we're just caught up in the moment. But I truly desire to be that kind of person. I hope you don't take that as a boast. I'm testifying tonight of what I want to be in God, the beauty of submission. There's something appealing about making a real commitment to something. I want my relationship with the Lord to impact every area of my life, not just a couple of areas, not just here and there, not uh, random things, but I want my relationship with the Lord to impact my decision making. I want to. I want to make decisions around the will of God. What is your will for my life in this particular thing? I want the will of God in my money management. I want the Lord to help me in those areas. I want. I want the will of God and the authority of God and my relationship with God to rule my vocabulary, help me watch my tongue, help me to keep my mouth in check, help me to guard my ears and my mind and my eyes. And I want the the will of God and the authority of God in my life to help me guard my relationships in life. It's important, very important who I allow into my life and who you allow into your life, and it's important who we don't allow into our lives and those relationships that can be unhealthy. And so I wanna be totally surrendered to the sovereignty of God and to the leadership of God. I'm striving for that every day. None of us are perfect, and I'm not even trying to allude to the fact that I am, but I'm striving for that every day. Lord, let your word be a light, that lamp to my feet. Amen, let it be that illumination for here and now. I need the word of God to illuminate today because I'm living today. But I also need his word and his spirit to be a light that projects into my future. And so I I realize that I don't just need you today. I don't need you just right now but I'm going to need you tomorrow. I'm going to need you Friday and Saturday. So Lord, let your word and your spirit, let it be projected into my future. I'm striving for that. Unfortunately, many people don't demonstrate that kind of, that kind of commitment in their actions. They never come to the place where they can totally surrender to authority in their lives. 
Amen. We need God to be an authority in our life, but there are other authorities that we have to surrender to. But I want him to be the Lord of my life and his word to be the final voice, the final judgment. Some simply want to decide on their terms and if it fits, well, so be it. But if it don't fit, then I'm going to have to wiggle out of that. But I believe this is the reason why so many people lack authority in their own life is because they will not submit themselves to authority. Amen. If we don't submit ourselves to God's authority, we don't have his authority with us and in our lives. They have no authority to live because they have not fully come under authority. And so this evening, I am not just speaking to new converts, but I'm speaking to men and women who have been walking with the Lord for some time now. I'm speaking to people who understand what Calvary was all about and the price that was paid for our ransom. Amen, you get it, or at least you should get it at this point that we've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. I'm not here because of my own finesse, nor are you. I'm not here because of any power that I possess, no more than you are, but I am here because of Calvary's finished purpose in my life. Amen. And so with knowing that Jesus paid it all, and knowing that he gave it all, how could I possibly come to him with some just casual commitment? I'll just barely be in here. I want to be able to be counted on. Amen. Let's consider some possible reasons perhaps why people are not fully committed. I, I, I think sometimes that we are not committed for the lack of knowledge. Maybe we've never been taught to be committed. And so if that be the case, I want to at least brush past this subject tonight. Amen, there's an interesting passage in 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11 unfolds for us the story of Solomon, the king, the wisest man in all of the world. Unfortunately, this particular story is not about his wisdom. It's not about his riches. It's uh, It's not about the successes of his life. But we find here that God told Solomon very, very clearly, do not take for you wives foreign from this country. Don't take unto you foreign wives or allow foreign women into your life. Solomon, however, chose to disobey the Lord. Now, I think we would all agree that disobedience on any level is disobedience. But Solomon chose not only to disobey God, but he disobeyed God by a wide margin, a very wide margin. In fact, the Bible tells us that between the wives and the concubines that Solomon had 1,000 strange women in his life. And I know that we could pause here and, and, and make some sort of comedic remark here, but I'm gonna tell you that, that there's nothing funny about this because Solomon has missed the point, but he's missed it by a very wide margin. Amen. And there's nothing, there, there would be nothing right about this kind of blatant disobedience. This is not an uh-oh. <laughs> this is not a slip-up. But this is a major, major issue that Solomon has allowed to go on in his life. Now, the problem wasn't with the women in particular, but the problem came in uh, by way of the fact that all of these women had their own God, and so they allowed strange gods to come in. To the, Solomon allowed strange gods to come in to his house, and so the result of Solomon's disobedience 
is the fact that his heart was turned away from the Lord. In, in, in 1 Kings 11 and 4, the Bible says it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart away after other gods and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father. And so it's this inability to hear God's voice and submit to what the Lord says to do that didn't just cause havoc in the home of Solomon, but more importantly, it caused havoc in the heart of Solomon and turned his heart after other things. And so God judged Solomon because he was not fully devoted to him. And so I believe today that God is looking for us to fully devote our heart to the kingdom of God, the cause of God. When Jesus called his followers, he expected them to leave everything and follow him. It's no small thing for us to consider even though sometimes if we're not careful in our minds, they will just be reduced to to Sunday school stories is what I call them. But when he walked past men that made their living fishermen, he said, if you will cast this down, leave this, forsake this, and follow me, I will make you fishers of men. If we were to put that in more contemporary language, he was saying, if you will quit your job, if you will walk away from your home and your family and everything that you know and are familiar with and everything that you call success, Security and everything that you call uh, that, that you call foundational in your life, I will make of you something greater. And so, this was a tremendous act of faith for these men to forsake all to follow after Him. And I'm going to tell you today that if we're going to have any measure of victory in our lives, we are going to have to forsake all and follow after the Lord. You can't, the most miserable person in the world is the person that, as I mentioned Sunday, has just enough of of the world in them not to be godly and just enough God in them not to be worldly. And that middle muddy area of our life, that would be the most miserable place to live. So many passages of scripture are crystal clear about the need to be completely and totally surrendered to the Lord. One man said, well, I can't because I've got a funeral to attend. One man said, I can't because I've got to, I've got to go bury this person. And the Lord said, let the dead bury the dead. That sounds curt. That sounds, that sounds rude. It sounds crude. But you see, Jesus understood the value of authority. And so some have not been taught. Others lack trust. They, they may not believe that giving the Lord everything will make them better off as an end result. And so simply put, they may not trust in the goodness of the Lord that if I walk away from this, that God is sufficient to provide that need for my life. I'm not talking about being foolish or dangerous here tonight, but I'm talking about being committed in trusting the Lord. Some may think that if I'm totally committed, if I obey him completely, or if I were to go wherever God leads or do whatever he desires of me or do what he asks of me or to serve where he wants me to serve or to give what he wants me to give or to confess what he would have me confess or reconcile with someone that he's asking me to reconcile with. And maybe they feel like if I were to do all of that and then get to the end of life's journey, I'm gonna be disappointed. But let me tell you tonight, amen, not only do we struggle with that today, but the disciples in the day of Jesus struggle with that. At one point, Simon Peter himself said, we have left everything to follow you. A little arrogant, Simon. You don't think he knows that? 
But he was underlining, we have left everything. We have forsaken everything to follow you. But listen to Jesus' answer in Mark 10 and 29. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren, sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions in, in the world to come eternal life. Or in other words, he said, no one who has ever walked away from anything will not be blessed. I will not just bless you now, but I will bless you in eternity. Amen. Our, our, we know that our greatest treasure is waiting for us in heaven. But do you know that God honors us in this life? God blesses us now for the commitments that we make to him. Amen. So uh, how, how are you going to know if what I'm saying is true? Here's, here it is. You're going to have to test it for yourself. You're going to have to put God to the test for yourself. How are you going to know if you can trust that bridge to hold the weight? You're going to have to drive across it. That will be the ultimate test. How will we know if God will be there? You're going to have to walk out there and try that to make sure and to ever discover that for yourself. I've never heard not one person that has committed themselves to the Lord. And I, I think I speak with some years of experience to validate what I'm talking about tonight. I've never heard one person that has given their all to God lay on their deathbed their deathbed with regret or anger toward God. But I'm gonna tell you those that had given all from my experience had been those voices that said to me, I wished I could have given a little bit more. If I could have lived a little longer, just one more service, if I could have just done one more thing. But I have met people, I have met people that, that sold their soul for much lesser things that lay on their deathbed with great regrets, with massive regrets. If I could just do it one more time, they gave themselves in this life to pleasure, material things, never having time for God or making time for God. But they got to the end of their journey and they were just begging the Lord for one more chance, one more prayer. I'm not making this up. I'm speaking from my heart today. Amen. We are going to have to trust him. Trust him. There are some people who desire to lack the Lord, uh, to, to follow the Lord rather completely, but they just simply don't know how to make that commitment. They never learned the basic skills of following through on a commitment. Amen. I'm thankful for parents. You're thankful for parents that made us complete a task. Because they were teaching us something. You go back and you finish that. You go back and finish that. One of the things I... I I will say it in his absence, and I guess he'll probably be all right with it, I suppose. But one of the things I always had trouble with Justin about when he would—he loved to mow the yard, but he was going to leave one little area undone. Just it was just going to be one little area, and not the same one all the time, but just there's just going to be something that wasn't finished. And so I would come in and say, "All right, go get the mower and go mow and finish that one little part." And he was always, you know, as a child, you know how that goes. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? 
And so some time ago, we had been gone, and he called me and told me, he said, I got your yard taken care of. Don't worry about it. And when I got home, there was a big strip left. Un, un, <laughs> I knew what that was all about. <laughs> but there's something about completing that task, something about that person that says you got to go back. you got to go back and, and follow through with a commitment Maybe some people don't have that because it was never modeled for them in their life. They never watched their parents or their or whoever their guardians may have been. Perhaps it was something that was missing in those formative years while they were growing up and so they have no idea of what real commitment is or how to follow through with something. They have developed no skill of, of making and following through on, on commitments and I'm gonna tell you that that's a huge, that can become a huge character flaw when someone just will not finish the task at hand. It's a huge character flaw. Even more tragic is that some people don't know uh, if they're committed or not. Some people maybe think they are, that they have no clue what real commitment is because they have defined casual commitment so long as real commitment until they, it's real commitment has lost its importance, just being there every now and then. That, that's not, uh, you can't be a parent just here and there every now and then uh, to speak to parents. That we understand that that's, that's not a job you can walk away from. Perhaps they've done this because true commitment was never built in their life. I mentioned this just now, but again, maybe that was never modeled to them from their parents or maybe their adults in their life never showed any real true commitment to the jobs that they worked on. Maybe their friends lacked any direction or any commitment in their life, so that helped shape and form that into them. And so that's why it's important what we set before us, what we set in front of us. Amen. I know we're living in a different generation, I get that, but let me allow me to go back several decades and just make a point. But I'm gonna tell you, when somebody went to work uh, at a job, and that's just, that's the job they, they got out of high school or graduated college, and that's the job they went to, and that's the job they retired on, understand it doesn't always work that way. But let me make a point. I'm gonna tell you, that puts something in the heart of people that are following them. That puts something in the heart of people that are, that are walking behind them, a generation around them, that affects them. And by the same token, that can have a negative uh, impact on us when we see those around us that never commit to anything. Amen. So we've got to make a commitment. We've got to walk all the way through that. It takes more than wishful thinking. You can hope things and pray things and cross your fingers about things, but it takes more than that. Real commitment, real commitment to just hold on. Hold on. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. I'm, I'm going to uh, wrap up here with some closing remarks. So we've talked this evening up to this very moment about problems, the issues that can arise from this. But before we walk away, I want to talk about some solutions. The first thing we need to do is to make commitments. If you haven't already, amen, there's some things that we got to get pardon the expression, but there's some things we've got to get nailed down in our life. I mean, if we think about just commitment to going to church, let's just use that as an example. I'm going to be there, if at all possible, when the doors are open. We've got to get that nailed down. And then you don't have to visit that on Saturday night. You don't have to visit that on Wednesday afternoon. That's not a chronic thing rolling over and over in your mind. 
We gotta make a commitment. I'm gonna serve the Lord. I am just going to live for God. Amen. Now I'm talking to some people tonight who have made this commitment a long, long time ago. And I'm gonna tell you that there is nothing more powerful in your arsenal of weapons than a made up mind. I'm gonna live for God. And you know what? You've had many opportunities to bail out, many opportunities to change your mind, many opportunities to to take another path, but you just made a commitment. I am settling into this thing, settling into this thing. And so we gotta settle that issue in our life. I know it's been quoted many, many times that Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But don't underestimate the value and the power that's released when somebody says, as for me, this is what I'm doing. You can count on me. We're here. And so we gotta, we gotta have that defining moment of surrender that this is what I'm going to do. And then we must do some things that will place us under authority if we're going to have authority. Amen, you may be thinking that making a commitment is enough, but it is not enough. You can't just make a commitment with your lips and think that is gonna be enough to carry us through. That's a misconception because unless we place in our lives some method of accountability, we will wiggle out of that commitment. Amen, so we we can claim to be under authority of the Lord, but you know what, at the end of the day, that's just talk. It's just talk. Serving the Lord is about relationships. And it's a relationship with God lived out in the context of a community called the church. Now follow me because I am closing, but I haven't closed. And so it is lived out in the community we call the church. That means I must be accountable to one another. We must build into our lives a system of accountability how we conduct ourselves, how we live from day to day. And so we've got to enter into relationships with others that can help us to to be accountable. Now, the beauty of the kingdom of God and the beauty of even a local church is this, that we all have our own interests, but there are many among us that share common interests. And so we need to find somebody with common interests that we can develop and build relationships with, somebody to fellowship with. If you don't have somebody in your life that you can invite over to your home or go out and eat from time to time, then you need to consider or reconsider your relationships with one another because we need that. We need somebody that we can sit down with, not just on the same pew during a church service, but somebody we can sit down with because it's in that context, it's in that setting. I'm not talking about gossip sessions and I'm not talking about cliques and things of that nature. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about groups of people that we can sit down with that hold Hold us accountable. We can be open and honest with them, transparent about our walk with God. And, and I, I mean this in the purest sense. Those things have to be kept pure. I'm talking about a place where we can find encouragement. You can find support and even guidance in our lives. Another way to be accountable is to find somebody else in the church, not just in a group setting, but someone specific, someone intentional that can hold us accountable. Amen, let me suggest the best arrangement in our lives in a perfect world would be having both of these things, not just people that we can fellowship with that can help us be encouraged and strengthened, but we need people in our lives that we can be specifically accountable to. Being in fellowship, having one person to share some things with, and let me again be real clear, I'm not just talking about hanging dirty laundry out and, and, 
and talking for the sake of talking, but somebody that can help us come under authority. We need somebody in our life that if we're not in a worship service, they're on the phone asking us, hey, where are you? Amen. We missed you, Sunday. And if we give some old flim-flam excuse for not being here, we need somebody that can light a fire under us. Amen? Somebody that you won't hang up on. I didn't say not somebody you won't feel feel like hanging up on, but somebody that you won't hang up on. Somebody that says, we need this. We need somebody to help us. Of course, that depends on you and, and, and your willingness and me and my willingness to be open and honest. We need that person in our life. But when we come under authority, then we find what we get in the end is authority in our lives. And it's all a matter of perspective. Amen. Let's stand. And I close with this. It's all a matter of perspective. A man was walking through an art gallery when he came upon a picture of Jesus dying upon a cross. It was a very familiar scene to this Christian man. He stopped and he looked at this beautiful portrait of Calvary's tremendous expression of love. As he stared into the face of Christ, there was a guard in the gallery that walked by And he tapped him on the shoulder and he said, excuse me, sir, if you want to get the real essence of this picture, you need to bow down lower. He said, because the artist who painted this picture painted it from the perspective to be appreciated from a lower position. The man, somewhat perplexed by this bit of Instruction, nevertheless, bent down a little bit lower. And from that lower position, sure enough, the guard was right. He observed new beauties in the picture not previously seen. To which the guard responded, lower, lower still. The man knelt down on one knee and looked up into the face of Christ as the artist had portrayed him in this picture. And then from this new vantage point, it yielded new beauties to behold, new beauties to appreciate. But the guard was relentless, relentless. He said, lower, sir, you must get lower. The man now dropped to two knees and then looked up. And it was only then as he looked up at the painting from such a low position that he could realize the artist's intended perspective. It was from that position of being down, looking up, that he could truly see the message that was coming across, across the full beauty. And I ask you tonight, isn't that how it really is with us in worship and our relationship that as we abase ourselves in the presence of God, we discover another beauty of him that we never had known. And we would never know that. We would never experience that if we are not willing to lower ourselves into humble submission to behold the beauty and the glory of God. Jesus said, I'll come to your house and I will heal your servant. But a man who understood authority said, you don't have to do that. Just speak the word. Speak the word. The beauty of submission tonight is that we will submit ourselves to God and his will and his word. That we'll see a perspective of Christ that we have never seen before. 
an added benefit is, of that is that when we submit to authority, we have authority in our lives. Amen. Would you slip your hands up and could we pray right now and ask the Lord to be our strength. God, help us today not to just make commitments with our lips, not to allow this to just be a moment of wonder. But I ask you, Lord, to let the Spirit and the presence of the Lord minister to us this evening. Oh, God, and help us to make some things sure in our heart, in our lives, to settle some issues tonight, forever be settled. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to live for you. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to get into the word of the Lord. I'm going to read that word every day. God, I'm going to think about you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be a consistent voice of praise and worship. I commit that to you today. I need to bring somebody into my life. I need to bring more than one person into my life to make sure that I can live up to that commitment. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Let's magnify the Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.